0: So good work there, Mona. We're going to take our Bibles to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. We've been here for a while, and we're going to finish up chapter number 6 this evening. We've learned quite a bit going through here. And as we finish up tonight, chapter number 6, we'll see several things tonight. We look down at verse number 15. If you find the text there, Romans 6, verse number 15. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid, that's not God's plan or desire for God's people. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that we were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield ye, yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit hath ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this evening. I thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for your goodness. And I pray tonight as we look at this passage of Scripture that you would help us get from your word what we need tonight to help us in our lives as Christians tonight. There are things here, there is a clear decision that we make. It says it matters who we yield ourselves to. Which means the choice is ours, what we do in this matter. Help us tonight see and learn some things from this passage. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If we were to take some time tonight and talk about slavery, it's a concept that is much out of place in our world today. The idea that one human can have power to force another human to serve him is offensive in our modern minds today. The majority of us would never own a slave in this room. But in days past, the world was different. And I'm not okaying it or going down that road. But I want you to understand something. Did you know that though there's not slavery active today around us here, in our area, in Chino, even sitting in this church tonight, there are slaves sitting in this very room tonight. And it might surprise you to learn that in one way or another, we are all slaves. The only difference lies in reference to who is our master. In these verses, in a couple weeks, it's been a couple of weeks, so you might have forgotten where we've gotten to at this point. You probably, some of you don't even know what day it is tonight. So I don't expect you to remember two Sunday nights ago. So I barely remember two Sunday nights ago. And I preached it. That's why I don't go around and ask you, what did you learn tonight? You put 30 hours into a sermon and I don't remember anything. My prayer is that we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and that he works in our hearts every time the word of God is preached. In these verses, Paul's continuing his discussion On the differences between being dead to sin and being alive in Christ. In this passage that we've read and going through these verses, he presents a series Paul does of contrasts that point out the fact that we're all slaves. That we'll continue to be slaves the rest of our lives. But that we have a choice, the master that we serve. Let's put it real frank and simple this evening. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if He is not your Savior, you don't have a choice who you serve tonight. You serve sin and the devil himself. There is no ands, ifs, or buts. But because Jesus Christ died on the cross, and those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are put in Christ. So what Christ did for us happened to us because we're in him. He was crucified. We were crucified with Christ. He died. We died. We're dead to sin. And we talked about this two weeks ago. We might be dead to sin, but it's sure. I I wish that I fell dead to sin. How many of you would like to never sin again? I hope everyone's hand would be up because that would be nice, wouldn't it? And that's what heaven's going to be. That's, the best part about heaven is that we're going to be with God forever. The second best thing is there's no more sin. Sin has ruined so many lives and caused so much heartache. It put my Savior, my best friend on a cross. I can't wait for when sin is done with. But as a believer tonight you're not a slave to sin anymore unless you choose to. You see, Jesus Christ made it so that you've been broken free from sin. And then we have a choice. Who do we yield ourselves to? Do we yield ourselves to the spirit that lives in us? Or do we yield ourselves to the flesh? You see, it's one thing this world, they don't have a choice. They are slaves to sin. As a Christian tonight, you have a choice. You really do. It says it right here. We're going to look at this a little bit more tonight. You have that choice. You can yield yourself Whichever master you choose. You don't have to sin. Are you going to? Yes, you're going to. And I'm going to. But he's freed us from being under that master. So, slaves, yes, but the question becomes, and as we look at tonight, who's our master? I want you for the next little bit of time that we have tonight to clearly see which master you are serving in your life, and maybe tonight you need to change the masters in your life. You know, you say, "Well, I want it both ways." No man can serve two masters. He's going to love the one, or it does not. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have it both ways. And so, and a lot of times we like it both ways. Let's be honest. Why do we sin? Because we like to. Say I don't like to, then why do you do it? As we look tonight, there are several things I want you to see. And you'll notice that Paul in these verses we just read, he makes four comparisons here for us. Number one, we see the choices. The choices. Verse 15 And verse 16, let's read those again. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. We have a choice to make. You know, there are Christians out there that say, well, since I'm not under the law, I can live and do as I please, then you haven't studied the Word of God very far to see that we live under grace today. But we're not supposed to frustrate the grace of God. We go deep into those things, but when we look at this, Paul tells us, you think about this, we think about the choices, we have the privilege of yielding our members, ourselves, to a master. The word yield means to stand as a servant near one's master, awaiting orders. It means to present. The idea here in this verse is it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. What that is saying right there, the idea is of a man who is at the beckoning call of his master. The whole point of these two verses is that we have a choice who we yield our lives to as believers. Notice there are only two choices. There are not more than that. We've seen that letter A, the choice, the first choice is we can walk in rebellion. Verse 15 tells us we can take grace for granted. And we just assume that God is going to accept us just as we are and we live how we want to live. That's a life full of sinful rebellion. And while many live their life like this and think they're free, Paul makes it clear they're not free. They're in bondage to whatever the case may be. This is the literal meaning of the word servant. The rebellious life, as we think about it, would be a life that is lived outside God's will. It's a life that's yielded to the master of sin. And so you have a choice, believer. Let's make sure we understand this. Non-believers, those that are not saved, have no choice. They are servants of sin. They are bound in sin, and they cannot get out. The only way to get out of the chains and the bondage of sin is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the only one. As a believer, you have a choice. Letter A, you can walk in rebellion. Or letter B, you can walk in righteousness. By the same token, you could choose not to follow the Lord and His will, or you can choose to walk in the will of God and to live a life that is pleasing to God. That's why Paul begs us and he beseeches us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg of you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, after all the Lord has done, it's only reasonable that you would present your body a living sacrifice. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Very literally, the choice is yours. You look at verse 16 here. Know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. The word obey here literally means to answer. It's a picture of a of a butler hurrying to see what his master needs. Who you yield yourself, who you listen to is who you're a slave to. Bad example would be those old cartoons. You got the angel on one shoulder. You got the devil on the other shoulder. You have the angel saying the good things. You have the devil on the other shoulder t- telling you the bad things to do. You literally don't have a devil and an angel on your shoulders. But you have the spirit of God living inside of you as a believer. Which he will guide you into all truth and help you live the Christian life. And then you have yourself. That old man that's still around till we put on immortality someday. Where this corruption, we still have corruption till we put on incorruption. And so as we look at this, as we think about this, the choices and decisions in our lives come knocking into our lives, or they're there every single day. The flesh says, do this. I'll give you a good example. I've been working hard to keep losing weight. I've got, I don't know how much further I'm going to go, but man, you stick a two liter bottle of Dr. Pepper in front of me. And I know there are those out there that say, oh, you, you drink diet soda long enough, you'll never tell the difference. They lie. They straight lie. Diet soda has an aftertaste to it. It's always nasty, and I just put up with it a little bit, okay? It does not, they say, I've I've heard my own family members, if they're watching this, I don't know, but if they, they, you know, after you drink diet for a while, the regular stuff's just too sweet. That's a lie. It's so good. Just give it. If I had, you know, so here we go. Brian's trying to be good and have self-control and yield himself. What does he do? And I know we're talking about Dr. Pepper. It's not a sin to drink Dr. Pepper. But maybe, maybe you could get gluttonous with Dr. Pepper. It could happen, right? And so... Brian's flesh wants it but Brian knows he shouldn't have it so Brian has a choice to make do I not drink it or do I drink it and then just do a little, little extra exercise and still drink it no I'm just teasing that's the way to do it right that's the way to do it that's once I get to the point where I want to be that's what's going to happen if I want something bad, be- I will have it but I will just work a little extra to work it off but I still got to get there but let's in the preach it. See, that's good stuff right there. We know that's true. And that's bad. My mind goes there all the time. Double, do I have a double cheeseburger today? It sounds really good. And then, okay, I'll run six miles instead of four. I'll just make up for it by what I run. But when we look at it and we look at this passage and we think about it, think about it in our lives. Do I read my Bible today? The Spirit tells you, yes, you need to. You need God's Word to grow. The flesh says, I'm tired today, and I can't today. You have alcohol in front of you, and the Spirit says, you don't want to sin against God. You don't want to get drunk. The flesh says, one little drink's not going to hurt me. Who do you listen to? That's who the master of your life is. That's what Paul's saying right here. You're with someone and you, in your head that you're, they ask you a question. The Spirit says, tell them the truth. The flesh says, lie to them. Who you yield to there shows who runs your life. Does the spirit run your life? Is he your master? Or is your flesh the master? That's some things to think about right there. We see, number one, we see the choice, the choices. The choices, there's only two. There's no more than two. Number two, we see the changes. We look at verse number 17. Paul says, but thanks... But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. You see, not only does Paul speak of the fact that we have a choice in this life, but he also refers to the change that comes about in our life when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. The change that takes place, letter A, we see he speaks of our past failures. He refers to a time before we trusted Christ and we were trapped in our sin. This morning we looked at the verses, we'll look at them again in Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 3. And you have to be quick, and look at where we were at before salvation, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein ye, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, all, had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past was always in the lust of our flesh. Before salvation, all we did was fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's because they're trapped and chained and in bondage to sin. That changed the day you got saved. And it says, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And what Paul does, he reminds us here in verse 17 of the fact That our bondage that we endure because, you think about this, we're in bondage because we didn't have Christ. You think about this tonight, think about where you were before your salvation. I was a six-year-old boy, I was a young boy. And I was a sinner just like anybody else. I might not have been in deep, dark sin, but sin is sin in God's eyes. It doesn't matter how deep or how dark it is. And sometimes we look, well, my sin's not as bad as your sin. And your sin and my sin, any of our sin, put Jesus on the cross. It says here that we all had our conversation in times past. This is where we all were. It doesn't matter if you were a six-year-old boy or if you were an 80-year-old man. We all had this. It was a time ruled by Satan where it seemed that we had no control over our lives. We're being driven and in bondage. He speaks of our past failures. But then, letter B, he speaks of our precious faith. And Paul reminds us of the day that we trusted Christ. Because do you see that there? But God be thanked. That ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. You know, what's that talking about? That's talking about the day you got saved. Think about this. You can thank God that while you were in bondage to sin, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That the Holy Spirit of God one day convicted you. Of your need for salvation. And when he did that. You see how it says there? It says but ye have obeyed. You answered that call. If you're saved tonight. You know what I'm talking about. You remember the day you heard the gospel. And that conviction. That was on your heart. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But we heard that conviction and we obeyed. There are many people in this world that hear the conviction and yet they never obey and turn to the Lord. And I think over time they grow callous to God doing that. But God's the only one we can thank because how could a dead man who's trapped in sin hear the voice of God? It had to be God working. It's a gift from God, the Bible says. Think about that. A dead man gets grace and faith. How can a dead man have faith? How can a dead man hear the voice of God? It's God's grace. It's his faith that he gives us. It's a gift of God. You see, when we heard salvation and we listened and obeyed the call from that conviction that was on our hearts, what happened? We got saved. Everything changed. You'll notice, look at the rest of that verse that says, but ye have obeyed from the heart that, do you see that word form of doctrine? The word form, this refers to a mold into which gold is poured, causing the gold to take a pre-designed shape. When we get saved, we are transformed into a new creation in Jesus Christ. And so he changes us, and we're a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. Let's never forget that dividing line between the old bondage we were in and the new creature we become in Christ. The difference between being in bondage tonight and being free in Christ was obeying the voice that told us what to do. When the conviction hit answering that. Paul speaks of here, he speaks of our past failures, he speaks of our precious faith. Letter C, he speaks of our present freedom. Look at verse number 18. It says, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. What a concept. How wonderful that is to be in bondage and slaves to sin. But when the Lord came to us and convicted us and we trusted him and we listened to the voice and got saved, he made us, he took us from being servants of sin and he made us free in Christ. This verse reminds us of what Jesus did for us and purchased our freedom from slavery to sin. The Bible talks about it all through the New Testament. I think about Revelation 5, verse number 9. It tells us that Jesus redeemed us. The word redeemed in this verse means to buy in the marketplace. It refers to the purchase of a slave from the slave block. Jesus purchased us as we were on that slave block. I think of Galatians 4, verse number 5. And the word redeemed is used there. And I thought the verses were going to be printed out, but they're not. I want you to go with me. Go back to number one there, Joe. And uh, how are we doing on time? Wow, we're running out of time. But look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 9. Go there real quick. I want you to see the verse. Say, well, the word redeemed. It means the same in all those places, doesn't it? No, it means a little different thing each time that's mentioned in these three passages. Revelation chapter 5, this is talking about in heaven, this is talking about us. Verse number 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. And look at what he's done. He has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. As I mentioned that word redeemed to buy in a marketplace. I mentioned Galatians 4, 5. The word redeemed, it carries it a little bit further, to buy in a marketplace and remove from sale. And then we're talking about being redeemed with incorruptible things in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. In those verses, it means to loose after a payment of a ransom price. When you put it all together, we enjoy the freedom we have today because of what Jesus Christ did for us. You have been set free. We see Paul begins in this passage with the choices, the changes that take place. Then, number three, we see the challenges that arise. Verse number 19 it says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. As we think about the challenges here. Paul uses the image of slavery as he does it as one that his readers were very familiar with. It was said and noted that there were about 50 million slaves in the Roman Empire during the first century. And so, as we look at this and the challenges, what are the challenges? Letter A, we need to remember the deeds of the lost life the first challenge is for these Roman believers to remember how they lived their lives before they came to the Lord they are to remember how they yielded themselves or placed their members at sin's disposal they're challenged to remember how they used to serve sin and were reckless in what they did but not only remember the deeds of the lost life but remember the duties of the lost life. You see, the reason they are to remember their past is so that they can see how they are to live in the present. You say, what do you mean by that? Look at that verse again. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to the iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto the Hey, this is where you were before you got saved. You yield yourself to sin after sin after sin after sin. Now because of what the Lord has done and because of where you are in your life now, you should not be living from sin to sin to sin to sin to sin to sin because He's changed you. You've been set free from those things. We have a new master now. Sin does not have to rule. Sin does not have to be your master tonight. It's the challenges that we face. Let me ask you this Do we demonstrate the same commitment to our new master that we demonstrated to our sins when we followed the old master? That's a convicting thought right there. My commitment to Jesus Christ should be far deeper than my commitment was to my sin. Because of all that he's done for me. We see the choices. We see the changes. We see the challenges. And then lastly tonight, we see the compensations. Just as we've seen the contrast between the old life and the new way to live, A life that has been redeemed gets compensated a certain way. A life in bondage to sin and dead gets compensated as well. As we finish up tonight, as we look at this last contrast, the first thing that we see, letter A, is we see the life of sin. The life of sin pays off in three ways, and Paul lists them for us right here. The first one we see is, in verse number 20, we see it's a wicked life. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. He tells us here that the lost sinner has no association with righteousness. In fa- and that's why you got to understand something. Why someone would say, well, I try to be a good person. My righteousness, the things I do... Help me get to heaven. You gotta understand something before salvation, and when you have when sin is the master of your life and you're in bondage to that, your good you don't have good works. That's why the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. So when you look at that verse right there, our best doesn't include righteousness apart from the Lord. It's a wicked life. The flesh has no power to produce anything good. Not only do we see it's a wicked life, but we see number the next number two, it's a wasted life. Verse twenty, uh, verse twenty-one. There says, "What fruit had ye then in those things, whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death." Paul's question is this: the life of sin that you lived in, before salvation, what did it produce? Did it produce anything good? What good came from your life before you got saved? The answer is plain and simple. Nothing good came from my life before I got saved. The sad fact is that a sinful life is a wasted life. It doesn't produce good things. The wasted life, it may produce children but they're often caught in the same traps and vices that their parents were caught in. The life of sin its a wicked life. It's a wasted life. Number three, it's a wretched life. The life of sin pays off in one way, death. The wages of sin, what we deserve for our sin is death. And not just physical death from the body, The wages of sin is death is referring to the second death. The second death is when death and hell are cast before the Lord. He judges them and they're cast into the eternal lake of fire. That's the second death. That's the result of a life lived in sin. You notice that a wicked person receives wages. That's a fair compensation for a life lived in evil. We may think it's unfair for a sinner to go to hell, but God says they're just earning what they deserved, or what they earned. Sorry, they're earning what they, they're just receiving what they earned. So the contrast to that is you have the compensations, the life of sin, the result of it is death. But then you have letter B, you have the life of salvation. In this final comparison, Paul makes it very clear that the life lived with Jesus Christ is far better than a life lived without Christ. We see number one, that is a life with purpose. And look at verse 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and an end everlasting life. You have purpose in life purpose comes because of jesus christ this verse tells us that the truth that life lived by the power of god produces fruit that glorifies god just as our lives used to be wasted now in jesus our lives are productive he enables us to bear fruit and bring glory to the father and many people you know they look in their lives and they look at the christian life and what's the point of the christian life what is the point of life without being a christian What's the point of life without Jesus Christ? What purpose is there? The tomb? The grave? If a funeral is the last thing we had to look forward to in life, what purpose is there? You see, but with Christ we have purpose. And then number two, it's a life with promise. While the wages of sin is death, God's gift to those who trust in him is everlasting life. Do you notice the difference? Wages are something we work for. A gift is something that is given to us. By placing your faith in Jesus Christ, I've become a partaker of his life. I have eternal life, I will live in an eternal home, in his eternal presence. To me, there is no comparison between a life without Christ and a life with Christ. Think about how John chapter number 5 talks about how we pass from death unto life. So Christian, who's your master tonight? Who do you yield yourself to? When the spirit says do, and the flesh says do something else, who do you listen to? That's who your master is. Do you notice this is saying this could happen multiple times in a day? There could be one decision you make that's good, and like whew, I got a good master! I'm following the master right now." And then later on, you follow the flesh. It happens. But think to yourselves: this world they're trapped in it they don't have a choice but to follow it you're a child of god you've been given a lot and because of that do you know what you can say to sin are you ready no when the flesh says do you can just say no the lost can't do that the lost will do it it's a sad thing though for christians when God has done all he's done for us, and yet we say yes to sin and no to the one who died and gave his life so we could be set free from sin. Who's your master tonight? It's the one you listen to. Who do you listen to? Father? We